Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette, and today I'm really excited. I get to record with someone who I just communicated with today, met today, and we're already here on the calendar. I love it. <laughs> We've got someone here who's going to be talking to us about navigating unspoken rules as a first-gen professional. Our guest is Aliyah J. Deggs, and she is a first-generation professional from Kansas City, Missouri. She earned her BA in sociology and anthropology from Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. Additionally, she earned her Master of Arts in Higher Education with a graduate certificate in American Indian Higher Education. Currently, she serves as a Res Life Coordinator at the University of South Florida. As a lifelong learner, she has many interests and I'm sure many talents too. And some of her interests include low-income students, first-gen college students, minority-serving institutions, food, uh, food equity and identity, professional development, and holistic wellness. Welcome to the podcast, Aaliyah. Hello, thank you so much for having me today. Yay, I'm happy to have you, happy to, to meet and to be in conversation with you. And the first thing I want to hear is all about you. So if you could tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, background and backstory, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Of course. So again, my name is Aaliyah J. Dex. I use she, hers pronouns. And um, I am from a low-income, first-generation background from Kansas City, Missouri, of course. Um, and I came from a community of people who really loved and nurtured me. Um, I was always supported. Um, people, like even my graduate, um, my high school counselors gave me money every week or they made sure I had prom dresses for prom. Like I came from a really family oriented um, high school, uh, which led me to want to go to an HBCU. And so from um, attended a historically black college that's specifically for women I felt like two of my identities were I didn't have to worry about those things because they were already the norm um and it forced me to think of diversity in, in a different way because everyone around me looks similar so we can't bond over just being black or just being um a woman you have to like learn other things um about someone else to connect and so that really um exposed me to a different perspective on diversity um, and so when I moved to um, Arizona to get my master's degree, the demographics were very different. And so I had to learn mm. <laughs> for the first time ever in my life, I had to figure out who am I in this space? Um, because how um, people here perceive me is not how I perceive myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not how I've been perceived my whole life. And with that, again, I'm coming from a very family oriented, very communal background and going into a large university, like the University of Arizona, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, okay, I got my bachelor's degree. I got, I'm degreed, it's great. And people just told me like, keep going, um, you know, go ahead and get your master's degree. I didn't even know what I needed a master's degree for. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> Wait, when um, you say everybody, who's who's everybody? My mentors, oh, and like the people who love me, yeah. and care about me. They're like, all right, you're gonna be an academic. And if you want to be an academic, this is like the steps you have to go to get your master's degree. So I'm like, okay. Um, I was an RA, so a, a resident assistant. So I worked in housing even as an undergrad student. And so when I went on to get my master's, I continued that. You can be a grad student and have like the RA role. And I did that. And then I'm realizing like something is missing. Mm. I'm just doing what everyone is telling me to do. <laughs> I'm going through the housing process. I'm going to grad school. And yet I feel like I don't know who I am. Mm. Um, and it was the first time in my life where I kind of had like an identity crisis. 
Um, and it was really important to me to put myself in spaces where I could learn because I was like, I need to learn this for me. Not someone else telling me, go do this, go do that, yeah. go do that, go do that. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so being in Arizona really taught me a lot as far as taking risk. Um, and even if you do fail, at least you tried, at least, you know, and it was your, your fault, <laughs> like it's on you, not on anyone else. And so with the today's topic is really important to me because again, I was just following what everyone told me until I had to make decisions for myself, which allowed me to meet other people because I would have just had my head down going through school. But I was like, no, let me jump out here. Let me just send a message. Let me just contact this person. Like, let me yeah. be my actual self, which is uh, extrovert. I always want to connect with people, always want to learn. Um, and when I took my own agency back, I feel like I was able to start to really navigate and master the, the experience of being a first year in those like academic spaces. Wow. I think that a lot of people are going to resonate with how you shared that you felt maybe a little lost or like you weren't sure who you were and relate to the experience of just like keeping going and doing the things that a lot of, you know, external sources are telling us to do and that and positive, you know, with really good intentions, you know, a lot of times it's people that love us, but it's right. these um, extrinsic uh, type of sources instead of like pursuing goals and dreams that are from us um, and so I'm wondering um, what was the aha moment that helped you to start to focus on yourself and and to get out there a little bit more uh, I'm just curious if there was yeah. an aha moment if there were multiple or or how did you get from point a being lost <laughs> to point b I'm gonna do something about it Okay, so I went to grad school for free, right? And I mean free um, through, I had a housing assistantship, um, which pretty much paid for housing, room, board, got a stipend. And then I had a grad, um, like a tuition waiver. So I paid for my tuition. Um, and then I got a scholarship to cover, cover the student fees. And so ultimately I just went to uh, grad school free. And that was my goal. I'm like, I just want to go to school free. I don't care about anything else. And that was the aha moment because I didn't realize, yes, money is important, especially from a low income background. Yeah. But I didn't think about the community and the, and the environment that I was going to be in. I didn't think about, oh, what other, I'm not just like an academic, I'm a human yeah. with like other interests and, and I love community and I didn't always see that around me. So oh I my was, gosh. I'm just <laughs> so, thinking HBCU to U of A, like that's yeah. a huge difference. Yes, significantly. Um <laughs> and and even again, some of those mentors kind of told me, like, you don't want to be pigeonholed as just an HBCU professional, go out and um expand it and, and be well-rounded and I'm like okay like I'm just listening and then when I'm actually here and I'm like you all wanted me to become this well-rounded professional and I don't even know what that means <laughs> I don't even know what that means You're like I'm if this is what like, that means I don't know if I like it <laughs> I'm like what does this even mean um and so I think the moment where I realized my finances were great but I wasn't like mm -hmm. as a person, I wasn't okay. Um, by October of my first semester, I was ready to go because again, I wasn't nurtured in the ways that I was used to being nurtured. Um, and I experienced a lot of like outward racism for the first time in my life. Sorry. And a lot of people will say like, oh, you can't experience the world without interacting and engaging with people who don't look like you. But that wasn't my truth. That wasn't my mm -hmm. story. And when I finally finally found people who look like me, our stories were completely different. So I always felt like mm. um, othered, no matter what part, what group I was in. And so I was like, okay, well, this is my reality. This is my story. How do I go from a deficit thinking to mm. like an asset based thinking? Yes. At the time, I did not use that language. <laughs> I was more <laughs> so like, 
this is who I am. Let me just figure out how to, how to work this because yeah. I have to be here, you know, cause I can't go home. I don't want to feel like a failure of my community invested. That's, that's that higher ed background coming in. So as soon as you said, deficit to act it's like, there's that MA coming oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I can't go home because again, my community invested so much in me that I had to, this was my way of giving back to them. Um, and so I'm like, I can't give up. So I have to figure out how do I navigate this space? Like, this is what it's going to be for the yeah. next two years. How do I make it work for me? And that is the light bulb moment of when I started to join different organizations, not only at the institution, but in the community. So then I get to learn about the city that I was living in. Wow. Uh, mentoring is important to me, obviously, as I talked about mentoring already so yes. many times. And so I started to mentor six, uh, sixth graders from a local wow. high school. Um, I joined uh, an organization for an internship called Metropolitan Education Commission, where I went into high schools and taught college access, helped them with college access work. So like FAFSA, and I work with primarily their Black um, and international students. Um, and so those were the moments where I found those connections. But I put myself out there because... I was like, I was like, I cannot be miserable for two years. Mm. Like, I have to find joy. I had to find something to sustain me. And I love music. So I was always going to concerts. So <laughs> I, was like, I got that unlocked. Like, I can go to a concert yeah. all day, any day. But also, what about those days where I'm not at a concert? I needed something else. Um, and that's when I really started to um, just make it work for me. And that is my probably... The, my biggest advice to first year yeah. students and professionals is try everything. <laughs> like put your name in the hat. And if it doesn't work for you, it wasn't meant for you. Go on to the next opportunity. Yes. Before we go into the topic of, of unspoken rules and the hidden curriculum, I, if you're comfortable sharing, I, I'm curious mm -hmm. how you arrived now at University of South Florida. Um, pretty much. <laughs> so you, finished, you finished your MA and then I'm like, there's a gap there. So not like now you're working in a completely different state. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. because I knew I wasn't going to be able to stay in Arizona. Um, to me, it was a two year commitment and commitment is very important to me. It's probably one of my core values. Mm, professionally. Yeah. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to commit to it. Um, so I was like, I'm committed for two years. My master's is over in two years. <laughs> and since I was already doing the housing work, um, and I enjoyed that. I love connecting with students outside of the classroom. I got to learn about them in ways that sometimes I loved and other ways I'm like, oh, I don't want to see you leaving your room at two in the morning. <laughs> 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 but others, but with that, um, I didn't know what else I wanted to do right after. I'm like, okay, I got these two degrees. I don't even know what they really mean I at one point I wanted to be a college professor but then I realized I didn't want to do that after a while and I just relied on having the housing background so I applied for different housing um, positions across the nation and this was the only USF was the only school that I applied to in Florida um, but actually they reached out to me because I never even heard of the institution um, and I like some of the, their key points and highlights. And so I put my name in the hat and they hired me. And I was like, yes, this is, I came to the campus. It felt right. It felt like a mixture of both of my experiences. Um, like it was diverse enough. Um, it was, to me, it's very diverse to be a predominantly white institution. And it was still in Florida, which was not too far from Atlanta. So I can go back and see my college friends if I wanted yes. to. Um, it To me, it was just a great location to where if I can get to different communities that I've created, it would be close enough. Um, and I knew I didn't want to be on the West Coast anymore. Um, and so that's how I got here, just going through the housing process. And I've been at the University of uh, South Florida for two, uh, for four years now. Wow, four years. Time flies. Yes. Well, I, so then you're the perfect person because I'm sure you've learned a ton about being a higher ed professional, being a res life professional in the last four years. And so I'm curious uh, if you could go back in time, what are some of those unspoken rules or some of the, that hidden curriculum of, of 
being a, a professional that that you wish you knew back then? I wish I knew how to advocate for myself more. Um, I think I was so focused on just being grateful for the opportunity yeah. um, that I was kind of just like willing to be a team player when I shouldn't have been a team player. And now that I'm creating more boundaries, um, folks are not used to it because I'm always the one volunteering. I'm like, oh yeah, I can come. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll come to the late night program. No worries. You need me to pick you up from the airport in the morning? I got you. No worries. And now I'm like, nine to five, nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that has been um, very challenging for me to navigate because I'm always a helper. Mm-hmm. And I always want to, like, if I can do it, I will. Um, but lately, I'm telling myself, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so I think being a team player works for, worked for me uh, at the beginning of my career because I was, um, I don't want to say awarded, that's not the language I want to use, but uh, I was exposed to more opportunities because I was willing to put myself out there. Yeah. Um, but now as I am transitioning into like a more mid-level career search now, um, now I'm like, what do I really care about? And I want to stick with that. Like, I don't want to keep exploring. Yes, that's great. But now I've done enough exploring to know what I like and what I dislike. Um, and so initially I would say, please explore, find out what you like. But then once you find it, stick to it and create a niche because um, the job that I have, we're so much like we're so everything is generalist, like, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And that's great. But then when it's time to be a specialist, you're like, I don't know what to do because I have so many things. Um, And so I don't know if that directly answers your question. Yeah. So you you mentioned um, advocating for yourself as one of the unspoken roles and, and learning how to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. which is hard for a lot of us. um, But especially I think when you're starting out and you're trying to, in some ways, like learn the ropes and prove yourself. And, and I wanted to mention the team player comment that you, you mentioned something about like being a team player. And I, I do think you can be a team player while upholding your boundaries. Yes. (laughs) Um, I know that now. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious about other unspoken rules because there's a a big shift and a big difference when you go from being a student to being an employee and then from being an employee to then perhaps being a manager or um, working with folks who are in positions where you are in a position of authority or you know in a hierarchy above them and so yeah any other unspoken rules or things that you have learned during your time that Again, as a first-gen student, maybe you might not have been aware of. Yes, I think about departmental cultures a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times people tell you, oh, just, you know, supposed to get a job after you get your degrees. And so you just look for a job and you look for a certain salary <laughs> and that's it. Um, which kind of goes back to my, even my um, graduate school story of, okay, it was free, so I'm going. Yeah. Um, thinking about how does, what are the departmental values when you look at their websites? What are their mission statements? Do they, do they align with the things that you care about and the things that you want to be a part of? And I didn't really look at, I wrote them down, but like, I didn't like understand them or ask questions about them. And so um, I wish I would have asked a little bit more questions of like, hey, you have this in your mission statement. How does that show up in your work on a day-to-day basis? You know, um, and after every interview, they asked, do you have any questions? I was asking very general questions. (laughs) And so, again, I wish I would have really asked how do their like policies and their values play out in the day to day work so that can help me understand what will be my role and how can I assist in helping them accomplish those goals for sure. And I think you make a good point because also sometimes um some folks and my that's myself included in the past have this impression that just because a department may go by a similar name it doesn't necessarily mean that they uphold the same values 
And so you might be applying to the same department across multiple institutions, and then you read their website, and they've got a, a slightly different mission statement, or they're, you know, the wording is different, and then you talk to them and you realize, wow, these are two very distinct places, or they might have something on their website, and then you talk to them, or you talk mm -hmm. to employees, and you realize that doesn't quite match that, with what mm -hmm. they're actually doing. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's stuff you don't know, you know, you, you can look at the website, but you won't know unless you talk to people. Yeah. You have to ask, you have to talk to people. Um, when I was job searching, I made it a point to talk to at least three to five people who work there. Wow. Okay. This is a really good tip. Uh, let's <laughs> say it again for the folks who missed it. You said you talked to how many people? Three to some, five. Some people three don't five. Some units don't even have that many employees. And the reason, I know. And if they didn't have that many employees, I was like, that means I'm going to do, have to do a lot of work. And so I don't know if that was going to be the place for me. <laughs> that is a really, another good point. So <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you're mentioning that. Yes, because um, I'm a person that taking one person's story is great, but I also know that there are other stories out there. And so if I'm talking to at least three people and I notice a common trend, I'm like, oh, that's something that I yeah. need to like pay attention to because three different people who don't even know that I'm talking to each other them are saying the same things mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um and I try to do things across different identities as well yeah. so I will always talk to people who look like me a person who didn't necessarily look like me and then maybe one person that I like assumed that shared at least one or two identities yeah so I kind of like ask them some questions about that. Like, how do you feel represented in the department? Do you feel like you're heard? Or what are some things, some like initiatives that you led? You know, did they trust you to lead the like lead these mm -hmm. initiatives? Different things like that. Um, Cause to me, I wanted to come in and like, feel like I'm contributing. I didn't yeah. want to just be a worker. Um, Like I'm not that person. Like I have, I always have ideas. And as you can tell, I always have so many interests. And so I always want to know, like, how can I um, still work with you all while still getting, like still doing things that I'm passionate about and that I care about. Yeah. So I definitely talk to a lot of people. Um, I'm trying to do the math and I feel like that. I don't know how, how many positions can you apply to when you're talking to I that many people? Ten. Okay. So about 30 to 50 people I talked to. Wow. Hold up, hold up. Like, there's got to be a system here. Like, what's the how yes. to? Did you, did you find them on yes. LinkedIn? Did you find them on departmental sites? Like, did oh, you I went to them? the departmental sites. <laughs> okay. So I went on their sites. I looked at different things. And I didn't all do this in one sitting. So I want that to be very okay. clear. Like, it was like uh, a series of months. I didn't just talk to everybody in a week. So I want to make that clear. Still, um, I, I like 50 people in a series of months. I'm doing the math. There's still a couple of people a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel like that in the moment to me. Yeah. Um, I got on, I went on their website, looked at a few things that folks were doing. I would email them like, hi, my name is Aaliyah. I'm interested in exposition. I would love to chat with you. Um, if you are available, can you please let me know your availability? pretty much some variation of that yeah and um some people will like actually like email me back and call or some people will just respond via email so it wasn't all like on the phone per se some people never even responded at all but I always make the attempt to at nice. least talk to someone um and I think those conversations were some of the more like determining factors on how I made my decision um because sometimes they were brutally honest and other times I'm like, I had to push a little more. Like, so how is it really? Like, <laughs> how is it on a day-to-day? -day? Like, I, you know, was trying to like probe them a little bit more. Um, but it worked out for me. I feel like I came in already with a mentor because I've met them in that process. And the folks that I met that I, you know, I didn't go to the same institution or I didn't work at the same institution as them. We became friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And like, so they became a part of my network naturally. That's great. And we may have never even met each other, but like we know of each other and we follow each other on these platforms. And so that was a way that I made, like created my network 
without even knowing that I was doing it, but it ended up benefiting me in the long run. That's really good. So that those are already some really great tips is reaching out. You said three to five people per place uh, that you were applying to. And then, uh, you know, also what you mentioned earlier about the department and their, you know, values, their mission, all that, making sure it aligns with your own. Um, and I feel like there's so many unspoken rules and I'm curious, uh, yes. going back in time to when mm-hmm. you started this position. So you you had a really good sense of, of you know, you said it felt right when when you accepted the position mm-hmm. and then you having to move that's a pretty big move from Arizona to Florida and you're there at, you know at a new institution in a new role I mean mm-hmm. you're already familiar with res life but take us back to your first month in that position um it's not just like the culture shock me? but also like having to learn a new campus and how it works and runs, that's also a thing. And that's also part of unspoken rules. I feel like every campus is a little different too, no? No, very true. They're very different. Um, I think for me, I moved a lot. So like moving wasn't necessarily the hard part. Let's be clear. I do not like moving. (laughs) I don't think anybody (laughs) likes to move. Let's be clear. But I'm originally from the Midwest and then I moved to Atlanta and then I moved from Atlanta to Arizona, then Arizona to Tampa, Florida. And so I was always moving like very far from home. And so with that, I learned to maintain relationships from like wherever I was um, because I was always in a new place. So like that part didn't scare me. I think what scared me the the most was the identity of being a student. I didn't have that anymore. Yes, that's a big uh, identity shift too. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Yes, because um, now I'm like, well, my schooling is learning this department. (laughs) Like this is my course that I have to take right now. And I went straight through school, school. So from high school, I went to college. From college, I went straight into grad school. And then I went into my entry-level job. And that's all I've known was going to school and working and going to school at the same time. There were times where I had maybe two or three jobs going to school at the same time. So now I was like, all I have to do is focus on work. Like, what is this? I'm so used to being busy. Yeah. I'm so used to having like calendars and color coding and every minute was counted out of doing something. And now I'm just, I just have to work and I go home at five and sometimes I'm on call because that's the nature of the mm-hmm. position. But I was like, okay, what do I do after five? Like, okay. Like it would just very different and now I was making the most money that I've ever made mm-hmm. too and so I'm like okay well we have to budget yes like you still have to have a savings <laughs> so I still had a lot of financial literacy parts down um because I knew I'm like, I can never be broke ever again in my life yeah. <laughs> um but just really thinking about wow this is a large institution in the state of Florida but this institution is also young in comparison to the other Florida schools. So like understanding that dynamic and then specifically for the, our department, I would say our department's love language was quality time. Mm. And that is not my love language. So, so what does that mean when you say that they want you to around all the time or what? Is yeah, that? like let's eat lunch together. Let's have dinner uh, together. Let's meet up together, 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 together. And I'm like, <laughs> That's a okay. lot. <laughs> so in the what, what's month, your love language? No, words of affirmation. Oh. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, since it's my first month here, I have to like agree to this because I'm new and they have to get to know me and all those things. And I don't want to be uh, a person who was perceived as standoffish. But deep down, I'm like, my battery is depleted. Of human interaction, like I need to go recharge. I want to. I need to recharge. I need to recharge. You're an extrovert. Uh, <laughs> I'm imagining myself as an introvert. I'd be like, I need. I need alone time during my lunch today. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> but it was like all day, every day, and our training it was five weeks of always being together from nine to five every day for five weeks. And I'm like, wow, I haven't even been around my family this much. 
in the last few years, you know? Um, and so that was really hard. And when we talk about like the unspoken rules of like, you, it's kind of, kind of like you're voluntold to do certain mm. things of like, oh, it seems optional, but you know, everybody around you is doing it. So then you're like, oh, and do I want to be the eyeball out? Yeah. Um, if I say no, what does that look like? And so there's a lot of perception. You're thinking about how you're being perceived. You're thinking about how you're perceiving other people. And like, if someone does this, like, what does that mean? Because you're still learning the, the department. Um, and so I think with that, it was really hard coming into an institution that already knew who they were and when they weren't really like trying to change anything they're like this is how it's been done this is how we're going to keep doing it let's roll with the punches and I had a lot of questions and yeah. I was curious about this and I'm like well the website said this and then where is it and they're looking at me like girl shut up and I'm like what um and so <laughs> wait are, are most of your colleagues all had a, they, were they already uh, familiar with the institution had they been there or gone there I'm some of them were yeah. it's like I want to say half and half there were people who've already been there for a few years and then there was a cohort that uh, we came in together oh, okay. and we came in through very different institutions excuse me very <laughs> different institutions as well yeah um and so we're all coming from different places, having different experiences uh, from different backgrounds. Everyone didn't have like a master's of higher education. Some people uh, came in from like the business perspective mm -hmm. or uh, psychology and communications. So we were very diverse in experiences. Um, and so with that, that's always a great thing, but it's also can pose as challenges when those same values are not being uh what's the word I want to use upheld or upheld or like they don't need it in that moment mm. like oh this is great that you have it but okay it's not what we need right now type yeah. of thing um so yeah it learning the department um was very different especially not I couldn't leave to go to class anymore like if something was going on I'm like okay, well, tell my supervisor that I'm going to class. <laughs> now I'm like, no, I have to address this. I have to learn all the policies because the policies were very different. I think um, that was the hardest part um, and not understanding why certain things were happening um, because I had a different experience. And I'm like, oh, well, this seemed easier, but now this seems like five additional steps. Why is that? So I will always ask my supervisor. So like, how did this come about? Like, well, did something happen? Like, to make us have to do all these steps. So I was always very, um, I always had questions. Always. That's good. That's really good. I always think that you have to ask a lot of questions when you're getting started, especially if you want to learn, if you want to learn quickly. Um, why not? Why? I, I know some folks don't want to be perceived of as like, oh, rocking the boat or not knowing enough. Um, but it really helps to, to ask a lot of questions. For sure. The other thing though, too, is earlier you mentioned that the difficulty with transitioning your identity from being a student to now being uh, an employee, no longer having school as that kind of safety net, you know, or yeah. you're having an issue, you can say, okay, I'm gonna clock out, I'll go to class. Uh, but also with no longer being a student comes the transition of working a nine to five for the first time. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, whereas before your schedule might have been more flexible, more flexible with the nine to five, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little less flexible, but then I can imagine if you're used to working in flexible hours, but also probably working a lot because you said student, multiple jobs, how does that then carry over to this job in res life where I feel like I, I, I worked in rest life as an undergrad. I, I never mm -hmm. worked like the um, like mid-level or mm -hmm. the, the advanced um, upper level roles. But I, and I lived in the dorms. Uh, I, I'm familiar with that culture and the folks that I know who have a background of res life. I've heard that it, it can be a, like a 24 seven job, especially when you're on call. So mm -hmm. yeah, like, okay, let's, can you, can we talk about that a little yeah, bit let's more? Talk about it. <laughs> I think for me, um, I didn't have the best grad school experience. 
And so I was burnt out. I was just burnt out. I came yeah. into the job burnt out because I kept trying to find community so much that when it came time for me to be at the University of South Florida, um, I was like, okay, great. I'm not in school anymore. So I can breathe a little bit. Yes. You know? But then that one month of breathing turned into two months and I'm like, okay, okay, this is different. Like I'm so used to doing stuff. Yeah. I didn't know how to sit down. And there were things that I wanted to do, but now I didn't have a connection to academia in the same way anymore. Mm -hmm. So like, say if I wanted to like publish or write something, I'm like, oh wait, how do I do that? Like, do I, like, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't even know who to ask. And I'm like, can I use my, my new job location? Like, how do I cite myself? You know, you know what I mean? Like, when you write certain things, they say, oh, your name from this institution. And I'm like, I just got here. Like, can I even say that? Can I use that? Um, so that was, that was challenging at first. Um, I also, again, wanted to make community outside of work. And so I joined a dance team and like, I just wanted to meet other people because I knew I needed a balance from the work. Given that. It, it, early I knew we spent too much time together yeah. so I'm like okay how do I not get so focused on like just my work friends I want to make friends in the community as well um and so that was a little bit uh challenging because people didn't understand it because they didn't do it they just mm. their friends were at work yeah. and so I'm like all right I'm leaving <laughs> they're like you're not going to the kickball game and I'm like no I have something else to do and they're like oh, you have something else to do? Yes. Like, and so that was interesting. That was very interesting. Um, going back specifically to the like identity of like not being a student anymore. There was these new, like just more responsibility that mm -hmm. I didn't realize that was going to happen. Um, and I can't even think of like a specific um, example, but it just felt like, oh crap, if I mess up, I'm getting fired. Like, um, or at least like there was more developmental things in, in, in college, you know, like mm -hmm. they're preparing you for these roles. Yeah. So like, you know, if something happens again, you have that safety net, you have a mentor, your supervisor's helping you out. Yes. I still had a supervisor, but it was like, okay, you're professional now. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, I don't even know. Like, just do it. Like, just do it. Like, wait, what? I don't even know what a pro just be a professional mean. Um, yeah. And then, um, again, this training was five weeks, whereas in grad school, it was only two weeks. And so I signed up for my dance team around that time. And they're like, you're in training for five weeks. And I'm like, wait, nobody told me. So I kind of started off rocky. <sighs> Because yeah. no one shared the calendar with us of like, hey, this department in February through this, this is what the expectations are. Yeah. There were no expectations. It was assumed that you knew. Um, and I struggled so bad with that because I'm like, again, I'm used to two weeks, five yeah. weeks of training. That's that's a lot, you know, yeah. like that's a lot from nine to five nearly every day. Um, and so again, I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. Now it's so early. I'm already making mistakes. What is that? What does that mean? I'm like, dang, I wish I was in school so I can like have a reason to stay longer. <laughs> like yeah. it was just a lot of thoughts. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, I keep trying to think of an example to share, yeah. but nothing is like specifically coming to me right now, but I mean, I just think that it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, this concern over potentially making mistakes or all these things that they just expect you to know and how unfortunately that's why a lot of people don't you know try new things or go out of their lane because they're afraid of messing up or they're afraid of getting fired or they're afraid of all the things um so I think that I, I just wish that we could normalize that like the not knowing and show more grace and and offer to help and sometimes there's only so much that you, even a five weeks is a lot but you can't cover everything in five weeks 
Agreed. And there, there has to be that that learning curve period where it's okay to to say, oh, like, sorry, I didn't realize you didn't know. He did blah, blah, blah. You know, this is the way that we do things. And let me explain further. Um, and I, I experienced that as uh, a higher ed professional too, because I, I worked in a scholarship center. I also worked for a research center. I also worked for a McNair program. And at every stage you join and you're expected to know the language. At every stage you join, you have to know all the acronyms. You have to know yep. all the procedures. Some places don't even have training and they just throw you into the water, assuming you can swim. <laughs> no <Fine>. floaties. <laughs> Right. And to me, that's that's frustrating. And I was that person that asked a lot of questions too. But um, I, I don't think it's a sign of any flaws that we have or of weaknesses. Instead, it's an indication of some of the hiccups in the system. Exactly. Yeah. So I, it shouldn't be that everything is expect that you're expected to know everything. It shouldn't be that there's so much information that's that's like gatekept, that's only folks that are in the system know. And if you're new going in, you kind of just have to figure it out <laughs> along the way. Um, so I, anyway, I, I guess I just wanted to validate your experience and say oh, like, thank this you. happens to a lot of us, especially Even when you're first in and you're new at an institution too. And there's also like those, like some places have transition reports or whatever. And like, I read through them and I'm like, okay, I didn't learn anything. Like. <laughs> Like and like people will say, oh, read your transition reports, talk to other people. I'm like, okay, I did, I did that, and yet, what? There's something missing here, and I will always say yeah. like something is missing, and I didn't know what that something was, so I wasn't able to like properly articulate what I needed because yeah. I didn't even know what that thing was in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like sometimes a lot of first gens, we know, we feel something. We know something isn't right, yeah. But we don't know how to articulate it, or we don't know the language, or we yeah. don't know how to talk to about it. Because especially when you're new, you don't know anybody. You don't have you don't have that like mentor relationship yet. You don't have you haven't really built a strong enough rapport to find out. Hey, this is a leadership member that I really trust who has my back. You don't know that yet. Yeah. Um, and so it was really challenging in the beginning, <laughs> like seriously, and knowing that. Um, what do I, what am I going to do after? And when you talk about the, like, no longer being a student identity, that was the other part of my, of mm. my, in my brain. Like, okay, I know I'm in housing right now, but do I want to do this long-term? What am I going to do after? When am I, what am I going to leave? Because this is the first job that I had that didn't have an end date. Like we kind of talked about that a little bit. This is the first job that I had to put in like, Hey, I'm leaving on, like, I have to put in my two weeks notice. Whereas yeah. all of my previous jobs, I already there was an I, end date. I already knew I came in knowing you can um, give yourself an end date. <laughs> now I'm like, I give myself the end date. But like, how do I know when I'm ready? Yeah. And so, my, one of my top strengths is futuristic. So, I'm yeah. always like thinking ahead. And so, with me not being in school, and I'm like, okay, so what do I do next? Like, what's next? Should I be do I want to be a dean of students? And if so, should I start talking to people now? What should I do? Like, should I start uh, going to conferences? Should I start going to webinars? Like, I was just figure, trying to figure out what will be my plan for, because this is entry level. I'm not, yeah. I wasn't intended on being here as long as I did. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, okay, I know this job, people come and go. So I already knew that. And so like, when is it my time? And then how do I even approach it? What does that even mean? Yeah. Yes. Oh, the other part of it is we have, a, um, we get six credits of free, like, like, uh, you can take classes. Yeah. For free, six credits. So now I'm like, okay, cool. I kind of have this opportunity to go back to school, but then I had to wait a certain period because I was a new employee. Um, <laughs> and then when that came up, I was like, oh, I want to do it. But then I realized, oh, working full-time and going to school may not be the best decision right now, or I'm burnt out from that. I don't want to do that. So the good thing is that I had so many different options that I appreciated, but um, at the time, again, I couldn't articulate that experience or what I was feeling to even get some guidance. I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, Aaliyah, you know what you're doing. I'm 
but I don't like something is wrong. Like I just don't know what I'm doing. So. And is that um, a stage that you feel you found you found yourself in more recently or do you feel like you've gained some clarity since then? A hundred percent gained a lot of clarity. Um, I think now I do a great, great job of like not waiting on other people to validate me and to validate my experiences. And so I really took to social media and started to create my own content, started to create um, different things and join different Facebook groups and any other thing outside of work to fulfill me because I knew like it couldn't all be about work, you know? Um, And I think I gained the department's respect because I didn't depend on them 100% for every aspect of my life. Um, And I really love that because it goes into the next point that I want to talk about of like credit. Sometimes you don't get the credit that you deserve. You Mm -hmm. like sometimes you have so many great ideas and you share and you see that idea come into fruition, but then somehow your name is not even attached to it anymore. <laughs> and you're like, Ooh. yep, been there. <laughs> and again, as a first gen, you're like, okay, I know this is happening, but how do I address it? Because now are you not going to listen to me again? Like you start to get in your head again. Um, and so for me, social media and creating a professional identity and platform allowed me to give myself credit and allow me to say, hey, I came up with this idea. Here you go for the world to see. Um, and that has helped me significantly in my, my professional journey. Like now I don't feel the way that I could, when I came in, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Now I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I want to approach it differently. And now I want to try this thing because I saw it work for someone else. And I feel like it will be beneficial to me. So I think now I'm just like refining, like I'm not starting from scratch. I'm just, you know, doing some maintenance work and, Mm -hmm. and. Um, and then put in my own, share my own um, ways of doing things as well. Um, not just depending on what other people have done in the past or what's the norm. I'm also like, hey, I have ideas. Let me share those things um, as well. So I definitely feel so much more confident in the work that I'm doing. Um, and I'm able to motivate and sort of coach the younger ones after me because I'm That's not the young great. one anymore. Um, and so like reminding them, like, yes, we do a lot of things all the time. But like, write those things down. Like, you do keep so track. much. Yeah. Keep track of it. Keep track of your big accomplishments. Keep track of your small, even if you made a slight change to a policy, write that down somewhere. So that's your legacy when you leave. And so I think I've been um, really focused on what is going to be my legacy, like once I leave here and what, and on a broader scale, what do I want my professional identity to be? When someone says, oh, Aaliyah J. Diggs, what do I want them to think about? What do I want them to say? Um, and that has kind of um, helped me be more intentional with the things I say yes to and not. So, yes, that's sure. great. That that's that was like a whole personal development pep talk right there. And actually, it's funny because I, my next question for you is what words of advice do you have to share for first-gen students of color, BIPOC students, folks who are um, about to make that transition from being a student to a professional, or even maybe their early career professional starting their maybe their first job out of college or grad school. And I know you already shared a lot of great mm-hmm. advice, uh, but is there anything else that you want to share or any closing words you want to leave them with? I want to say that you are not a blank canvas. You already came to wherever you're going to with information, with experiences, with thoughts, with ideas. Don't be afraid to share those. Yes, learn the culture, learn like how to like share them, learn how to share them, but don't be afraid to share them. Um, Because sometimes depending on where you are, they can make you feel like um, they, as in where you are, the organization can make you feel like they help make you or create this professional when in actuality, this is just an extension of the work that you've already wanted to do or had interest in anyway. And so um, really know that you already come with so many great experiences and gems and and you are here just to further that. This is a stepping stone for you to get to your next um, goals. So that is what I wanna leave you all with. Um, I really want you to feel empowered and know that 
you're going to have so much other support around you and know that you are the the driver of your journey. I love that. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Aliyah, for joining us today. For folks that resonated with what you said, what you shared with your story, with all the advice that you shared, uh, if they want to follow you or connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Thank you so much. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Aaliyah J. Dex. You can follow me on Instagram at Aaliyah J. Dex. Um, and um, LinkedIn. I really love LinkedIn. That's my, I love LinkedIn. Again, Aaliyah J. Dex. Awesome. We will include that in the show notes for today. Once again, thank you so much. It's been so nice. It's, it's, this is how we met. It's through that social media networking. See, I'm y'all. Telling you, it, y'all. Works. it works. <laughs> Please put yourself out there. Please don't be afraid. I love it. Well, thank yes. you again. Thank you so much for your time and allowing me to be on your platform. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right. One free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school fem touring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtouring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Fan Touring. Thanks again and until next time. <laughs>